Welcome to Necessary Realness with Katie. I'm your host, Katie Zimba. In a world where nothing seems to be real, pictures are photoshopped, interviews and stories are edited, I wanted to bring the realness to real topics and issues. Listening may help you realize you're not alone in this thing called life. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, everyone. Today we are here with Taverny, who is a Registered dietitian dietitian (laughs) from Shift here in Chicago. Thank you for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. Um, So everywhere you go, whether it be social media, turning on the radio, turning on the TV, it's all about like keto and this keto diet. And like I'll look on Instagram and it's like people are like, this is my keto breakfast. And they're having like breakfast sausage and eggs covered in cheese and then it seems like that's so intense and that can't be good for your body but I I don't know so please educate me. Okay yeah <laughs> so the keto diet's actually been around for quite a long time in the 70s and 80s it was developed to help with people with seizures so medically with nutrition medical therapy it's used to help people not have seizures. So when people are able to manipulate their diet that much and and in the hospital setting, especially in like the pediatric setting, it's very extreme with the amount of fat. It's essentially your entire diet is fat and that is used therapeutically to stop seizures. And keto stands for ketogenic diet. Okay. And it's like putting your body in ketosis. In ketosis. Yes. Okay. Yep. So it's caught on, and I remember in grad school, so I was in grad school in uh, <laughs> 2011 to 2015, essentially, and the keto diet was sort of like under the radar, becoming a bit of a fad, and I actually experimented with it for a little bit just to see what it was like. I, I sort of did that with a bunch of different diets as I was going through grad school, getting my master's in nutrition. Yeah, just try different things out, what yeah, works. exactly. And then um, more recently, obviously, it's everywhere. It's it's being utilized as a weight loss diet, which is actually extremely effective in producing weight loss if you really stick to it. And you can do it either very well in a very nutrient-dense way, or you could do it very unhealthfully. And both ways will be effective. Really? Usually the unhealthy way to do it, though, ends up producing side effects, high cholesterol, you know, having your lipids go a little wacky, having digestion be completely messed up. Wow. um, From not having like any fiber, exactly just doing like fatty foods all the time. But is that good for your organs? Like, it's one thing if you are doing it for medical reasons, I think people like mindset, but I think that if you're doing it short term, to drop weight, is it effective? So it can have... Um, short-term poor effects on uh, cholesterol, for sure. It can also, you know, some people, and this is anecdotally, it causes, you know, feelings of inflammation and whatnot. A lot of the proponents of the ketogenic diet actually say it's anti-inflammatory, but it all depends, again, how you do it. Right. So the biggest reason why I think it would be anti-inflammatory is, one, if you're doing it in a nutrient-dense way, like avocado, non-starchy vegetables, all of that. But if you're losing weight, that's the primary component that is making your labs better and and all of that because you're reducing weight on your body. We see improvements in lipids right. and, and and other overall labs. health. Yeah, so unless if yeah. you're ha- if you're yeah. heavy. 
But doing it in a short term, cycling on and off from the ketogenic diet, we're actually finding that to be extremely stressful on the body and the blood vessels and all of that. So if you're, you know, doing keto for a month to lose 10 pounds and then going off of it and gaining the 10 pounds back, weight cycling in general from any diet is extremely stressful on the body, on the blood vessels, all of that. Oh, yeah, I bet. Um, So, I mean, people yo-yo diet for a lifetime and they do a million different diets and, and gain and lose the same 20 pounds. And that is more stressful on the body than being overweight. Than having the extra 10 pounds, Yeah, than ha- having the extra 10, 20, even sometimes 30. Really? Um, so, I mean, mentally it's stressful, physically it's stressful, emotionally it's stressful. It is so mentally stressful. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, ugh. It, there's just so much stuff out there, and it's like I can't wrap my brain around it. Yeah, we're a diet-obsessed, food-obsessed, body-obsessed culture. Yeah. So we, you know, we have food at every corner. We have convenient food. People are talking about food all the time. And at the same time, we're getting messages, especially women, but now more and on men. And we're thinking about food all the time. Thinking about food all the time, that we need to lose weight. Um, we need look to a look certain a certain way. way. Yeah. And it, it's so crazy because just as eye color and hair color and skin color are an eye shape and all these things are diverse, so is body composition. If we all ate the same amount and did the same exercise, if you're the same height as somebody else, your body would still look different. That's true. Yeah. That's a really good point. And plastic surgery comes into play after that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... How does keto work? So you're basically cutting out the carbohydrates. Yeah. So there's no one definition for how many carbohydrates you have on a ketogenic diet. Um, it's different for everyone. Like a 6'2 man that weighs 200 pounds could probably get away with eating 60 grams of carbs a day and, and being in ketosis where, you know, a 5'6", 150-pound woman would probably only be able to eat 20 to 30 grams. And so what happens is your body changes its fuel source to ketones. The liver produces those when there isn't glucose coming in or glucose stored in the body. It is then using its own body fat to create ketones. Okay, got it. So it's the carbs that are... Yeah. So instead of when you don't have the carbs, it's burning the fat. Yeah. Okay. So Even though you're eating higher fat. And it's it's using that fat as well. Okay. But at some point, it's not enough. And, and one of the biggest things that ketosis or ketogenic diet does is you're in a calorie deficit. A lot of people find themselves so satiated by the fats that they end up reducing the amount of calories that they're eating. So it's not this like magical diet. Right. I think the biggest component is that you're feeling more satiated, you're eating less calories. You know, I mean, I can't do it. I have to eat carbs. Like I can't, I just, I crave fruit, I crave carbs, and I love them. I'm not talking about like people having like... Yeah, fruit is a yeah. huge carb. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's different than, like, having a bagel, obviously. Like, right. carbs is, like, in everything. Yeah. And it's not just unhealthy foods. I think yeah. a lot of people think, oh, you eat carbohydrates, and, like, they think you're eating a bagel. It's yeah. like, no, it's in yeah. a lot of healthy fruit, foods. beans, hummus, like, everything. Tons yes. of vegetables yeah. are higher in carbs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what happens is... When you first deplete yourself of carbs, what you'll do first is drain out all the glycogen stored in your body. And so while you're doing that, for every gram of carb that is stored in your muscles, three grams of water comes with it. That's why people lose so much weight in the beginning is because they're literally dehydrating their muscles of the carbs and the water. And then also, like, I don't even know how you work out when you're, like, you need carbs to be able to exercise. Yeah, You do go through a period, and some people, once they get through the transition period of utilizing ketones for energy, they feel great 
exercising on low carb. They do. Other people feel like total crap. I felt like crap. It was awful. Even after two weeks of being on a ketogenic diet or, you know, however long it took my body to transition into ketosis, I just, it was awful. Yeah, I think it's like nothing works for everybody. Exactly. That is my number one thing when I'm working with my members is it's not a one-size-fits-all equation. People are asking me, should I eat one meal a day? Should I eat six meals a day? Should I intermittent fast? Should I eat more carbs? Should I eat higher fat? It all depends on the person. Right. So, you know, personalizing nutrition is really important, and that's why you shouldn't listen to Instagram and you should work with a professional. Right, or just go and buy a book and just say, like, this is my Bible for food. Yeah, but, I mean, it takes some experimentation, like, to really figure out what works best with your body and what kind of fueling consistency and what kind of balance on your plate works well. And what keeps you the person satisfied? Like, I mean, you can't just be like, you can have 600 calories a day. And that, I mean, that's not a way to live, really. No, it's not. And it's not sustainable. You will start binging. Right. You know, you'll you'll either develop an eating disorder or you'll binge, which can turn into an eating disorder as well. So, right. I, I feel like when I was growing up, eating disorders were almost more talked about and, Now it's like this, it's just all so glamorized. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure if you saw the New York Times article last week called Smashing the Wellness Industry. And it talks about how our obsession with wellness, because it it used to be diets, 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 and now it's lifestyle, wellness. Um, I'm doing this for my health. But even with that, you can take that to an extreme. And, you know, we're starting to talk about orthorexia and where people are just becoming obsessed with eating clean and eating perfectly and eating for their health. And that gets tipped in a bad direction where it is your thinking, which we were mentioning earlier, thinking about food. I think about, yeah, I was, before we started recording, I was saying that I think about, not that I'm thinking about food and things like that. I just obsess about what I'm going to eat that day. Yeah. Is it healthy? And people what are I worried. and I literally can tell you what I eat every single day. Yeah. And it's that's so unhealthy. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with my size or yeah. this, that, and the other thing. But it, I'm tired of thinking about it. Yeah. It's, it's exhausting and it's <coughs> stressful. And you should have freedom to be thinking about so anything many other, else. anything else, <laughs> anything else, right? Um. So we're really finding that people are being paralyzed by their relationship with food. And that is not it's what so I want. It's so complicated. For yeah. It's like, I don't understand when that started to happen. Then, yeah. But at the same time, you think about it. And I look at both my grandmas are 97 yeah. years old. Yeah. And they both are alive, doing well, living on their own. I mean, they are, I don't know if it's unhealthy or not, yeah. but have always been, not since they're 97, but have always been very conscious about weight what they eat um which to them they're 97 years old and they're healthy it's a good thing but as far as how that how healthy that is or was you know i have a friend whose mom they found like her journals for when she was a young kid and it was just like talked about what she was gonna eat and she wished she was skinnier and she still to this day eats very bizarrely yeah to me i'm like i hope when i'm 70 yeah i am not still obsessing yeah like what a waste of time and energy it really is so i've developed an eating disorder when i was 13 14 and i had journals of calorie counts and all of that and and it happened when i went into puberty so yeah your body changes yeah your body changes hormones you're supposed to gain weight you're supposed to have extra body fat so you can reproduce i mean you look at anybody like i look at pictures of myself and I'm like oh my god I was so fat but it's not it's 
just that my face was fuller, and which makes you look younger. You know, when you get older, people's face thin out, and they fill your face with fat. Right, (laughs) we fill it up with stuff, (laughs) Um, and then you get hips, you get boobs, everything kind of changes. Yeah, and then your hormones. I mean, you're batshit crazy usually when you're thirteen, fourteen. Absolutely. So. It's tough because I feel pulled between actual medical health, keeping bodies healthy for medical reasons, and then having a huge problem with diet culture and the messages that are put on women and, right. and all of that. And it's such a sensitive issue. It, it is. And I, people really I, freak out. I get mad only at my mom because if my mom says anything to me about literally anything about food, yeah. I take it 100% personally. Yeah. Like, she sent me an article about cutting out sugar, and mm-hmm. I was like, I don't even eat sugar, Mom. Yeah. I know I could lose some weight. Yeah. but And she was like, what? what? Yeah. And I, f- I feel bad about it. Yeah. Sorry, Mom. Yeah. Um, but we're getting those messages all the time. All day. Yeah. All day. You put on Instagram, yeah. everybody's talking about something and sh- or showing. Yeah. You know, being like, I love my new, like, lifestyle. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. lifestyle. And if your lifestyle is taking up 95% of your mental energy, then then it's a problem. You know, if if you want to call it a lifestyle, that's fine with you. You can have freedom from that. And you don't need to live like that. So if you lose 10 pounds... It's not just about eating. It's a yeah. huge part of it is yeah. moving your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to lose 10 pounds, I'm going to ask you your reasons why, right? I'm going to ask you how many times have you lost those 10 pounds. Interesting. Um, I'm going to ask you what would losing that 10 pounds do for you, for your health, for your mental status? If you've lost that 10 pounds before, how easy was it to keep off? Right. Um, Because one conversation I really need to have with a lot of people is, is that 10 pounds sustainable for you? Is your body meant to be 10 pounds lighter? Because if it's not, your body's going to fight like hell to gain back the weight because it's survival. We lived for hundreds of thousands of years in feast and famine. And the people who survived the feast and famine, a.k.a. us, (laughs) are the ones who learned how to, when there was food available, eat a lot of it so you could store fat and survive the next famine. Right. We found reward. The reason why um, we are programmed to be rewarded from having sweet food is because when we found those sweet foods out in the wild, those gave us energy to run from predators, to run from enemies, to hunt. Right. Hunting takes a lot of energy. So we are programmed to find nutrient-dense foods and eat them so that we can survive. Right. It's only modern history, last thousands of years, that, first of all, agriculture is the thing. And second, you know, in modern-day society, we are surrounded by food all the time. This is not what we're programmed to deal with. Right. And so when you put yourself on a restrictive diet or force your body to lose weight— your body is going to send off survival signals and it's going to pump out hormones and it's going to increase your appetite and it is going to decrease your metabolic rate so you can survive. And it'll do anything it can to gain those 10 pounds back if you're not meant to be 10 pounds lighter. Interesting. So we're not meant to be lean. Lean is scary to our survival mechanisms. Lean means you're going to die in the next famine. Wow. And the only famines we have today in first world countries 
our diets. Right. And we're doing it to ourselves. Self-imposed famine. That's crazy when you think of it it that way. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, all of us who gain weight easily and, you know, maybe can naturally carry a little extra fat, we were the survivors. We were the fittest. You know, I sort of thank my ancestors for that because I'm definitely one who, well, first of all, I have hypothyroidism, so I I deal with that. But I'm definitely one that gains weight a little easier, you know. Maybe um, loses it a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah, Kind of just... Yeah. Stay in a little range. And, you know, those genes survived, you know, famine yeah, yeah, and, and all sorts of horrible things. So I really try to question somebody's motivation and, and really find out if their life is going to be that much better if they lose those 10 pounds. Yeah. And is it worth it? I think a big thing is to, like numbers, a lot of that is water weight. Yeah. I know I naturally, um, and I can always tell by the way my rings fit mm-hmm. so we had barbecue last night my for father's day yeah and so i had a bunch of salty food I mean, so you can see my and you're rings like don't you can't even get them off yeah. yeah my weight will fluctuate five to seven pounds within a week from water yeah and that's natural for a lot of people i think yeah i think yeah. people will be like oh i lost 10 pounds in a week yeah. yeah you're dehydrating your body yeah and so if someone does need to i'm not one to to define what the need to is. Um, a doctor should define that. But if they do want to lose weight, and people hate this answer, slow, gradual weight loss with a very modest calorie restriction and consistent exercise. It's not sexy. It's not glamorous. Right. But that is the equation. And the bottom line, it's something that everybody already knows. Yes. You learn like the food pyramid, pyramid. and what you're supposed to eat yeah. and how much you're supposed to eat a day. Yeah. Well, the food pyramid's a bit upside down. It's my plate now. My plate is actually terrific. People really criticize the U.S. for their dietary guidelines, but I think the my plate is awesome. It's half your plate fruits and vegetables, a quarter lean protein, which can be animal or vegetarian, a quarter complex carbs, and then you sort of work in healthy fats. They sort of naturally get worked in there. Okay. And that is so simple. That is really simple. Right? And that balance might look a little different. Like I tend to go heavier on the protein just because that satiates me more right? and a little heavier on the fat as well, but I still eat carbohydrates. I absolutely do. So it's finding the balance. I help my members find that balance, what that is for them, and then also finding a fueling consistency that works. Some people do really well with three solid meals a day. I need to eat more consistently. Right. And a lot of hungry. Yeah. A lot of people, I feel like, like their blood sugar or they just feel like they need to snack a little bit more. Yeah. Stabilize energy. And then also it's eating in a balanced way. But doing this and focusing on whole foods and nutrient-dense foods about 80% of the time, if you don't find a way to work in your favorite foods, you will consistently have a bad relationship with them. Because if you restrict them, you end up binging on them. Right. That's true. Yeah. Like if you're like saying, oh, I'm not going to have pizza, like you will eat a whole pizza the next time you see it or order it. Absolutely. So finding a way to work those in moderately is so important. And then... There are all these different layers. So the foundation is, you know, giving your body the nutrients it needs in a balanced way to keep you feeling good. Really, the second component for me is more so reconnecting with your hunger and satiety signals. So, so many people, the second they put themselves on their first diet, they lost the ability to listen to their internal cues, their body telling them when it's time to eat, when they've had enough. Yeah. So you've you've taken, you've decided to restrict your body 
and only eat at certain time periods as opposed to when your body needs it. So you lose your ability to listen to hunger. And then you're not eating to the point of satiety, you're eating less. So you're losing your ability to listen to satiety signals. And then you start binging, and then you really lose your ability to listen to the satiety signals. Right. And some people think, like, if you binge, then they're, they're like, I'm not going to eat tomorrow. Yeah. And, and then it's like, that fucks and, it up even oops, No, that's, a, that's Sorry. okay. <laughs> that's okay. That, Don't worry. That messes you up even more. And then it's a, it's and a that's, never And I think cycle. that's, like, really bad for your body, yeah. right? It's Yeah. Because then you try to make up for it. You starve yourself. You do, like, a two-hour workout in the morning and then all of a sudden later in the day you are ravenously hungry and you're binging again right it's the the restriction binge cycle that people get really really stuck on once they go on like a crazy diet right and then also mentally they're they're not i mean they're thinking about yeah and nobody feels good after you binge something yeah yeah you feel feel like shit you feel terrible about yourself yeah and that's not the whole point of it yeah it's like totally just guilt shame all that terrible equation yeah so although nutrition is simple the relationship with food so and diet and body is complicated. And that's where I think a registered dietitian can be invaluable ally for you to figuring it out. It's kind of like almost like food therapy, yeah, you know, because yeah. you're telling this person what you're eating, you know, and, yeah. and you're kind of see what that person likes to eat yeah. or what, you know, ups and downs in their life. Yeah. And so. then also um, I start to see all of us from time to time, use food for emotional reasons. And I think if you're doing that every once in a while, totally fine. Like, you're happy, you're going to celebrate, you're going to go out for an awesome big meal, and you're going to yeah. feel a little stuffed at the end of it. That's fine. But when you are on a daily or weekly basis utilizing food to cope, as opposed to having other coping mechanisms like deep breathing or going for a walk or exercising or playing an instrument, there's lots of them, then that becomes a problem. So then there's a line between people who are emotionally eating, which it's okay to emotionally eat every once in a while. Yeah, I'll and say that, that again and again. Necessarily, necessarily mean bad, like you're but, in a bad mood. Yeah, like yeah. if you're happy, sometimes you I mean, sometimes if you're bored, you eat. If you're yeah. sad, you eat. Like there's lots of and also for yeah, exactly. And also I'm one of those people. Like if I'm in a relationship, I definitely put on like an extra ten yeah, pounds because totally. you're happy. Yeah, and you're doing more things. Yeah, and you're it's more Going social, more, and that's yeah. also for me in the summer. Yeah. You know, you're socializing so much more yeah. obviously the weather here is so shitty so yeah. i'm actually doing a-okay <laughs> yeah um but you're going out more yeah you're happy hours barbecues like baseball games yeah. boats beach all of that yeah and in every culture food serves a really important part of the culture so if you're doing that every once in a while and you know and you're you're okay with like that yeah like that, i'm okay with yeah. like i'm not gonna be like i'm not gonna go on the boat right. this today or go do this yeah. like no it's just i'm like I, this is what happens to me in the summer gonna enjoy i'm yourself. okay with yeah. it and i and i also am exercising more too yeah, yeah. when it becomes maladaptive where that's your like main way to deal with stress or whatever that's when I start to unpack that a little bit and I start to work with someone and around eating for non-physical hunger reasons and then it kind of goes hand in hand with the major depression issues we have in this country too and it's like kind of this vicious cycle yeah and so it's finding ways to deal with stress to deal with you know whatever it is because food can be numbing it can you know you you get the rush of sugar in your blood it feels good the action of eating it's a Mm -hmm. repetitive motion that can totally numb you out and take all those feelings which is what you know in in my eating disorder i went from anorexic to binge eating disorder and i would use food to cope it would just numb me out i would like get in the zone and make you feel really really good yeah for a time and then all of a sudden it's over and you're like terrible and then you feel terrible and again it's that's another cycle that people can get into with food so finding those other ways to 
bring relief to your body, um, to your body, to your mind, to everything is an important part of the work I do with people. Yeah, that's super important. Yeah. I think everybody should have a nutritionist. I have a couple of friends where it's like they are nutritionists for mm-hmm. themselves. They really are super healthy yeah. and they get it. Um, but I think the majority of people don't know what they're supposed to be eating. Everywhere you look, it's something. It's very confusing. So like a couple other interesting fad things, if you could just touch on, because I'm so curious. Mm -hmm. Like there's that celery juice, apple cider vinegar, (laughs) um, and then putting all these like supplements and smoothies and things like that. What what is all this? Yeah. So celery, great vegetable. Please eat it. Yeah. It's got... Um, Don't you burn more calories eating it anyway? No. <laughs> it does have a See, lot of fiber. See, yeah. I've really, uh, truly... Yeah. I eat celery all the time because I think I'm burning more calories eating it. So it's a low-calorie, high-fiber food that's got a lot of great nutrients in it for sure. But you are not curing anything, creating weight loss, or anything from juicing celery. First of all, gross. I can't even imagine what it tastes like. I really can't. I've totally will sometimes grab a celery juice at the grocery store. I actually like it, um, but I don't think it's done anything for me. All it's doing is giving you a uh, serving of vegetable. One vegetable is not superior to the other. I always tell people, eat the rainbow. And it costs more than buying four stocks. So, I mean, the diet and wellness industry is making billions Billions. every year off off of us. I know I could probably buy a car with the amount of money I have spent on gimmicks and books and diets and all that. It's like sad. Clothes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Different clothes sizes. Yeah, different clothes sizes from, you know, from all the fluctuations. So celery juice... It hydrates you, sure, but any vegetable juice. Well, go buy V8. It's way cheaper, yeah. and you get lots more vegetables in it. You're going to get a bigger range. Just eat food. Yeah. Like, you don't need to juice your fruit. You don't need to juice your vegetables. Eat it. You're losing all the fiber when you juice it. Really? Okay. Yeah. And so when you take fruit and juice it and take out the fiber— And you're taking out all, like, the this, the— the skin and yeah, like yeah. the pulp that's, of it, right? Yeah, that's the fiber. That's I call fiber scrub brushes. So they're little scrub brushes in your intestines that take out bad cholesterol and help you know keep you regular. Keep you regular. Yeah. If you're not eating the fiber, then you're not getting nearly as much benefit as you could. Mastication takes more time. Um, you, it goes down slower. So um, having liquids is going to speed up gastric emptying. So when you just drink liquids, it's going to you know get it into your stomach faster and get it out of your stomach faster. When you have to chew food, when you have fiber, that slows down gastric emptying, which is what keeps you feeling fuller longer. Plus, fiber is a great prebiotic. It gives all those good bacteria in your gut something to flourish with. So that prebiotic is really important. So so the fact that juicing is still such a big craze just boggles my mind. Really? That's so yeah. interesting because it's huge. Huge, yeah. And people huge, are spending huge, huge. so much money on it. In April, I did a five-day juice cleanse, and it was it was about $400. Oh, my god! I know, I know. <laughs> and I didn't lose any weight. Yeah. I really didn't. Yeah. Um, I didn't eat any food. Yeah. I drank, I think, four to four or six juices a day. Yeah. What it made me realize was I was like, this is a lot of sugar. Yeah. If there are fruit juices, yeah. Yeah, because, like, they were mixed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, not eating for five days, it actually was pretty easy for me. But, I mean, it was ridiculously expensive. And if anything, it wasn't like... I was something I could sustain and keep doing and nor can I afford it to do it like every month. Yeah. So I think with a lot of the people say, well, you're cleansing your body. I'm sorry, but juice does not clean your body. Your liver and kidneys do your lungs Mm -hmm. do like detox is the biggest 
crap word I have ever heard. Like our kidneys do the work, our liver does the work, our lungs do the work. And that is it. That's, I'm like thinking in my brain all the times that I've fallen for that word. Detox, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's such a buzzword and it has so much power over us. For sure. And I mean, because it's basically telling you you're dirty. Yeah. You're dirty and your insides are gross and you have to clean them. You know, it's like, who wouldn't fall for that? that. Yeah. And and the buzzwords, glowing skin and increased digestion and and lower sugar cravings. Looking younger. Yeah. No, you do that. Better hair, better skin, you know, all that. You do that cleanse in the days after. I know so many people in the days after, or, or some people ask a couple of weeks of like this clean eating. Oh my God, they are face first into a bag of cookies. The survival mechanism, you're going to go for those carbohydrates because they are going to offer you the quickest energy. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what your body's craving energy yeah. because you're like dragging along. Interesting. Yeah. So just eating yeah. vegetables, protein, everything, yeah. and, and having carbs. So people that cut carbs out completely definitely will lose weight. Yes. But it's not really sustainable. sustainable. So members will come to me and say, I want to do the keto diet. I give them my disclaimer. I recommend against it. But if they're still going to do it, I'm going to support them along. Okay. And I will help them do it in the healthiest way possible and in the safest way possible. I have not had one person say on the keto diet in all the years I've been a dietitian. Like longest I've seen is maybe five, six months. But even after that, you gain the weight back. First of all, those seven to 10 pounds you lost in the first week, those are coming back first as soon as you eat carbs. Because your muscles fill back up with glycogen and water comes along with it. So that happens first. And then once again, people feel out of control. Carbs are back in the diet and they're like, they go haywire on it. Oh, for sure. I bet. I can't even imagine doing it for that long. You gain that weight back so fast and maybe even more and maybe even more i just feel like your body yeah like what you said if you want to lose weight gradual like yeah. you can't just like cut something out i feel like that it just doesn't make sense to yeah. me and it's like if i decided today to run 10 miles on the lake yeah it wouldn't work, work. yeah i would be like your body has to get used, used to, to things it. yeah and also if you're taking something away yeah you have to do it slowly. And another big thing is protecting lean mass. So everyone knows muscle burns more calories than fat. And muscle weighs more people. So like if, yeah, you, so if you're like heavier on a scale, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean you're you're fat or bigger or whatever. Yeah. It means you might be more muscular. Yeah, one of the biggest reasons why BMI doesn't work, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> so if you lose weight fast, you are going to lose a higher ratio of muscle mass to fat. So you're losing fat, but you're also losing muscle mass, which is helping you burn calories, which is giving you that look that everybody loves, the toned look for women or the muscular look right. for men. You are losing that muscle and you want to protect that at all costs. So the slower yeah. you can lose weight, the bigger proportion of it will be fat compared to muscle. Interesting. Yeah. And muscle's hard to get back. You got a resistance train. The only way to get muscle is to is to put and resistance. We're not on the getting body. younger people. Yeah. Like you need that you, when you're you older. Wanna, yeah, you as you age, you want to protect muscle at all costs because that's gonna keep you, you know, having quality of life later in life or, you know, less likely to fall and you know, which break will something. Pre- yeah, break something. Absolutely. So and that's um, another thing, too. Eating a balanced diet gives you the nutrients, like your bone bones, health, yep. your organ health, like yeah. all that stuff. Like I yeah. it needs all all types of foods yeah. in, in, in every category, I feel yeah. like. And f- whole grains, beans and legumes. Um, well, beans are legumes, but legumes, <laughs> beans and lentils, um, all those and fruits <laughs> and all of that. All of those provide so many great nutrients and to take them out. You know, it's it's just silly when they're such easy foods to eat. Right. Again, I think a lot of people think carbs is like 
eating a bagel. Yeah. You know, like I'm trying Some to think of like the most yeah. intense carbohydrate. And I, yeah. hey, I love me a bagel. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just like a gut bomb yeah. of nothing nutritious. Yeah. The thing where a bagel will come into play is if you're going to go do a really hard workout, sure, have a bagel, enjoy a bagel, like that's going to give you some great energy. Right. And if you're, you know, if you're just living life, eat a bagel every once in a while. Yeah, Not totally. I don't, I don't do it <laughs> yeah. often, but it's yeah. like, I'm trying to be like, if I want something, it's okay, but just control it. Yeah. Don't get out of control with yeah. it. Yeah. Or just try to eat it mindfully, eat it until you're satiated and move on with your day mm-hmm. and not obsess and like freak out that you ate a bagel all day long. Then, yeah. You know? Yeah. For sure. It's the, the society definitely puts it in your brain. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's celery juice. The apple, other one. The apple, apple cider, cider vinegar. vinegar. Okay. Or you tell me. Yeah, you know yeah. what's You know what's out there too. Apple but cider I, vinegar is a big one. I get asked that a lot. There is research to say that any vinegar, apple cider vinegar is not superior to other vinegars does help with blood sugar control in diabetes patients. Interesting. So like if you're doing a vinaigrette along with carbs, like that's going to help a little bit. It's not a like it's not a right. it's, it's not, not going to take you off your insulin or yeah, something like exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> People are chugging you know yeah. 40s of um apple cider, cider vinegar. vinegar. Yeah. But you but people take they like drink loss. it. Yeah, they drink it. So vinegar's vinegar's great, but I would I would never chug vinegar on its own. I would only have it in a vinaigrette or like in cooking. There's not conclusive research to say that it helps with fat loss in any way. People have told me that it like takes fat droplets out of your body and all this stuff, and that's not true. That's what people claim. Yeah, yeah, it's just crazy. What other gimmicks do you have? So collagen is in the middle of having real research behind it. Collagen is like I have like a powder supplement yes, of it. Yeah, okay. So, that's collagen hydrolysate, which we call them collagen peptides. So collagen, we have a ton of collagen in our body. It is the most abundant structural protein in our body. It's known as the scaffolding of the body. It's sort of the glue that holds everything together, joints, skin, ligaments, ligaments tendons, all of that. It's really important in our bodies. And we create collagen from you know, a, a number of building materials, two of the biggest building materials being um, proline and lysine, two amino acids that we get from eating any protein. It doesn't okay. have to be collagen. And so basically what manufacturers realize is that they could take gelatin from animals. Okay. So gelatin's like found in the bones and, and right, all of which, that. Like jello. Jello, uh, yes. The yeah, same thing. Nox gelatin. I was kind of flabbergasted. Like yeah. that's made from like cow. Ligaments bones, yep. and bones. bones, yep, yeah. So that's why, like bone broth, you put a bunch of bones in a in a pot and you and it cook gets that kind up of, and it gets gelatin. Yeah, yeah. So what manufacturers realize is that they could take that gelatin, put some enzymes in it, and sort of break it down for us, so you can consume that. Interesting. And so at first, I thought, well, if you're eating collagen, your stomach, because our stomachs are super acidic, it's just going to break it down, break it down into amino acids, and it would be no different than any other protein. Well, some studies are starting to show that the the collagen peptides actually stay intact and can be absorbed into the blood and delivered to, to joints and to skin and all of that intact. Wow, so, that's really interesting. Yeah. But I mean, the, the research around collagen is in its infancy. We have some promising studies, but we don't have enough to really say, yes, I'm going to prescribe you collagen peptides every right. single day. The research is growing, and a lot of what we hear around anything, especially supplement-wise, is anecdotal. So it's from people saying, yes, I started taking 
collagen peptides in my skin is firmer and more hydrated and and all of that. And sure. we do have some research to show that, but they're short term, they're small, and some of them they're taking like a shit ton of collagen. Wow. Yeah, they're like <laughs> yeah. sprinkling it on everything. everything. Yes. Well, they're getting it in pill form. And the other thing is a lot of the biggest research studies right now in collagen are actually industry funded. So that oh, automatically okay. puts a question. And into you can't it. you would take it's like so vegetarians don't have don't take this, right? Well, vegetarians can, but vegans can't. It's yeah. an animal food. Yeah. So collagen studies are in joint health and in the elderly. <laughs> so it helps people the most when they aren't consuming enough protein because their amino acid pool is low. Okay. And so a lot, or if there's like muscle wasting or sarcopenia in elderly patients, they likely don't have adequate protein in their diet. And so that, that's why they're muscle wasting. And so then they take the collagen and they're seeing, you know, t- but that would happen with any protein supplement. Okay. In those studies, they're looking at, at muscle tissue. The collagen helped build muscle tissue, but so does whey protein. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> and then in other studies, they do see increased skin elasticity and skin hydration and all of that. But like I said, these studies are small, they're new. So this is something that I mean, the supplements and things like that typically don't hurt you. Well, so yeah, that's another big component of my um, recommendations around supplementation. So we always say food first. Okay. Um, I would recommend eating high quality proteins over taking any protein supplement. I do recommend protein supplements for convenience purposes. Like if you don't have time to go eat lunch or after a workout, you don't have time because you don't have access to a fridge, sure, do protein powder. I use protein powder because it's quick. Yeah. Whey protein, though, is always going to be superior to collagen. Collagen is an incomplete protein. Okay. So whey protein is a complete protein. It has all essential amino acids that our bodies can create. And it's not made from an animal, right? No, whey protein's made from dairy. Oh, okay. Whey is one of the proteins found in dairy. Okay, got it. Um, And there's a lot of research that compares whey protein compared to vegetarian protein um, and now compared to collagen protein for its bioavailability. Whey protein's always going to be superior. Our bodies absorb it really well. Our muscles can use it, our bodies can use those amino acids, and it's a complete protein. However, if people have a digestion issue with whey or prefer to have vegetarian sources, you can get really high quality vegetarian sourced protein powder as well. I give people both options. If people really like the collagen protein, it's more expensive. It is low sugar, low sodium, um, and low in calories for the amount of protein you're getting. So that is helpful. So I will say, yeah, go ahead, eat your collagen protein. Collagen is definitely something that we're kind of waiting to see the long term stuff, yeah. but it's not. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. So there are um, some really great research studies, which is one of the things that I learned a lot about when I was a sports dietitian at Northwestern. Is using gelatin, so like the Knox gelatin, or using real beef gelatin, yeah, mixed with vitamin C after tendon and ligament injuries. So like an ACL tear and surgery and whatnot. So we see um, faster healing of of the ligaments and tendons when athletes are dosing with gelatin. So we'll have them like make a smoothie, taking Knox gelatin from the packet, pouring, you can't taste it. It doesn't taste like anything. But then Vitamin C helps you utilize that gelatin. Yeah. So they're doing that and they're seeing increased, you know, healing, like recovery, healing yeah. recovery. And we're starting to see that with collagen as well. So collagen and gelatin are two related but separate things. We know we have it in gelatin and we're starting to see it more in collagen. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So you asked about supplements. So the biggest thing about supplements for people to know is that supplements are not regulated by the FDA or USDA in any way. I call it the wild, wild west. Okay. I only recommend third-party tested supplements. So what that means is another company like NSF 
or a USP will take okay. a company's product and test it individually. Okay. So it's a third party saying that, yes, what the supplement claims to have on its label, it actually does. The purity, the potency, there's nothing contaminating it. You can trust that it has what it says it has. Okay. Any other supplement, you can't trust that. They don't have what they claim they have, or they've got other ingredients in there that, that aren't on the label. Wow. So USP, USP is what you look for, and what, what was the other one? NSF. NSF, okay. And, yeah, and so in the collegiate world and the professional world and the Olympic world, athletes will look for NSF for sports certified because that means that not only is it pure and potent, it has what it says it has, and it doesn't have anything else, but it also doesn't have any of the banned substances from, you know, like if you were to get drug tested right. in, in college sports, which is a big deal because... People have gotten busted from taking a multivitamin because the multivitamin was partially sourced in a field that had wild pot plants in it. So it has they have like THC in their yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. And so then they get busted. That's crazy. Yeah. So supplements can be scary. And supplements interact with medications and all of that. Yeah, because they always say like check with your doctor, yeah. things like that. And it's like, wow, what's going on here? Yes, yeah. so you really do have to be careful. So like instead of taking like a vitamin C capsule, go have an orange. Yeah. Eat some vegetables. Broccoli. You'll be good. Yeah. Okay. So unless there's a known deficiency, like an iron deficiency. Like if you're sick. It's too late. Once you're sick, it's not like pumping the vitamin C isn't going to bolster your immune okay. system. You just excrete it, right? You, yeah. So anything your body can absorb as far as water-soluble vitamins, like the B vitamins, C vitamins, you will excrete through your urine. My dad is always like, oh, you're getting sick. We'll take like five vitamin C capsules. And I'm always like, from being in the medical world, well, it doesn't matter if you you took a whole bottle of it, yeah. you're just going to urinate it out, basically. But what you can't use, you will urinate right. of, yeah. Eating well and sleeping is more important to immunity than vitamin, vitamin C. C. Yeah. Right, that's just like an yeah. old wives' tale, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Unless there's a known deficiency, I don't usually recommend vitamins. I will take a multivitamin just because I know sometimes I'm not getting all the vegetables sure. I should be eating. So if somebody wants to take a multivitamin, I'll say, yeah, for sure, you can do that, that's safe, but let's choose an NSF brand just so you know this is not an ad i'm not i'm not i get no <laughs> money from any supplement company but thorn is a really great okay. brand nature made is usp certified and you can get that anywhere walgreens grocery stores yeah. cvs thorn is a great one that you can order online clean okay. athlete is a great one that you can order online um which they're completely nsf for sports certified so and taking a multivitamin just it doesn't hurt it's it like, doesn't hurt yeah. yeah sort of covers your bases yeah that's what, what i say yeah and then another big thing that i've heard a lot about is like magnesium so magnesium helps a lot with constipation. Okay. <laughs> so if you, I mean, milk of magnesia is like a big okay. Yeah. So if you're go. taking magnesium, a lot of people do find it helps keep them regular. And then it is an important nutrient for anxiety responses and whatnot. That does work. Yeah. For some people, it doesn't work for everybody. Right. It's not like a clinical. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't like test for low magnesium. There's no, there's not yeah. like a test for low magnesium. You would just look at somebody's diet and, and whatnot and how much they're working okay. out. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's super interesting. So what else should we? Oh, so um, another big diet that people come to me wanting to try is Whole30. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that one I had questions about. So Whole30 is a very nutrient-dense, balanced, great diet. I have not read the book. 
I've researched it because I've had members want to do it. It's this idea that you need to essentially do an elimination diet to figure out what your body is sensitive to. Elimination diets will help you figure that out, but real food allergies, like an actual immune response, can be tested through like blood patch testing and whatnot, but that should be done under supervision. There are all these like at-home food sensitivity testing. The research around those are crap. Yeah, you would have to go see like an allergist, right? Yes, you would need to see an immunologist allergist for sure. And so the idea is that you do this Whole30 and it gets rid of sugar cravings and you eat whole foods, which is true, you're eating whole foods it's much more balanced than keto. But I think it takes out way too many foods that you do not need to take out, like legumes. What did a legume ever do to you? (laughs) It's high fiber, you know, high in B vitamins, has protein. Like legumes are a superfood. Like they are a terrific food. Okay. Um, So it takes out that. It takes out dairy, which is a very controversial subject. I can never get dairy out of my diet. Like never. I I love dairy foods. (laughs) I do too. I could never give up cheese. Cheese, yeah. I can never give up half and half in my coffee. And which is... it's good for you. Yeah. Like those are for dairy. people who can digest it. It is good for yeah. you. And if you're getting high quality versions right, of right, it. Right, yeah. Right. yeah. So Whole30, you do this for 30 days. And then at the end of 30 days, you follow these directions in a book to reintroduce foods to see how you react to it. So oh. people will like reintroduce gluten to see if they get bloated and, and blah, blah, blah. Reintroduce dairy to see if you get gas or get phlegmy, blah, blah, blah. So this seems like somebody's just trying to be like their own doctor. Yeah, exactly. People are trying to like break their addiction to food and sugar cravings and, and all of this. Most people feel great at the end of it. You know why? Because they're not going out to eat all the time and they're not drinking alcohol. (laughs) Well, and if they're eating whole foods, they're not eating anything processed, right? Which I think anybody, if they weren't eating anything processed, would probably feel Feel better. Yeah, and most people are cooking their own food a lot more often, which is awesome, which I love. I will always encourage that. And they are not drinking. So yeah, you're going to lose weight and feel great, of course. But can you sustain that? So what happens is a lot of people come off of it and then they have a real hard time transitioning and like finding a middle ground between going out to eat all the time, eating processed food all the time, and then this really strict way of living. And they start socializing again and drinking again and things sort of go haywire. It's the same thing that yeah. with everything. Yeah. It's like it's it's not sustainable. Yeah. So some people actually do really well on it okay. and they're able to sort of – and with this one, I don't have as much of an issue of people like doing a whole 30 a couple times a year you do it for 30 days okay yeah and a lot of people don't last the whole time not gonna lie yeah I bet. Um, because you have to be so diligent it's a lot of like counting and subtracting and adding and all this yeah. stuff there's no like counting calories or anything like that so i like it for that i just don't like it for it taking out so many food groups and i know they say you only do for 30 days and you work those food groups back in but what you restrict and resist the craving will persist like that it's just that's just what I see in most people. And like processed sugars and yeah. soda and things like yeah. that. That's it's if you're eating more of like a whole diet, like yeah. a stuff that's not processed, you're yeah. going to be better off. Yeah, for sure. My mom, she will just when she has her pizza, she has one real Coke and that's it. And then she moves on. And yeah, I'm, yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. But yeah. allowing yourself to have the foods yeah. and not making it such a big deal. deal. Like a lot of people will be like, Oh, I'm gonna have a cheat day. And it's like, yeah. I hate oh, that phrase. Me too. Like, I'm like, that's so weird. Yeah, like, 
Because well, who are you like, cheating on? <laughs> yeah, who are you cheating on? And cheat such a bad, bad word. word. Yeah. It's like it's not bad. Yeah, and for a lot of people who do that too, is they just go hog wild, like the Tim Ferriss four hour diet, where he does like a cheat day, where he's like all day long Ew. eating like the shittiest foods, like to the point of being uncomfortable. That, that's not normal. Yeah, and then for a lot of people, one day turns into two, turns into a week, turns into a month, turns into oh, I had a cheat year. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and yeah. people also will be like, oh, I'm just gonna cheat this week. Yeah. And it's like, I just hate that, like, for Mentality. Like, if you're going on vacation, Enjoy. go on vacation. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm saying this good, and I need to say it more to myself. Yeah. But it's like, it's true. Yeah. And it's an- and there's nothing more annoying than people that just are so tightly wound, wound. with, like, diet Their and rules. things like that. Their yeah. Rules. And they talk about it all the time. Totally. What's yeah. with that? Yeah. People cannot stop talking about what they're eating and what they're doing to lose weight and and starting over on Monday. Or, like, judging. Yeah. Like, other people. Oh, that's you're eating the worst. That? Yeah, like, yeah. Or just, like, the mental judge. judge like, they're yeah. looking at you eating yeah. whatever you're yeah. eating. Just let me eat in peace. Jeez. Yeah, like, just, I'm living my life. Yeah. I'm just trying to get by. It's yeah. Monday. Yeah. People. I know, right? So one book I really like right now that I'm reading, it's called Just Eat It. This is a whole nother um, podcast uh, subject, but intuitive eating, because people are starting to co-opt intuitive eating as like a way to lose weight, which is not. Intuitive eating is for people who are fed up, having poor relationships with food, and are ready to put weight loss on the back burner and rebuild their relationship with food to be healthier. Okay. And weight loss is not part of the equation. You have to let that go to really take on intuitive eating and it's ditching diet culture and it's reconnecting with your body and it's letting your body do its thing because you are so miserable with your relationship with food you are willing to let go of all oh, the weight interesting. Loss what's yeah. it called intuitive eating okay by evelyn triboli and elise Reich. okay A great book and Just Eat It is another um, practitioner's version of intuitive eating because intuitive eating was written a long time ago. Oh, interesting. And Just Eat It is written by a younger um, woman who is actually a PhD, got as a dietitian in the UK, but did all of her schooling in the United States. And she takes like a just a more fun, like I, I love intuitive eating, but she takes a much more fun approach to the 10 principles of oh, intuitive okay. eating. And she's like really funny about it. So like any, any woman who's like, you know, I think I might be ready to ditch dieting for good, buy the book, just eat it. You will be laughing and you'll also be like, oh my God, you're inside my brain. You right. know the way I think. Like you're me, Ooh, I'm you. I'm yeah. definitely I'm buying that today. Laura Thomas, PhD, just eat it. It comes from the UK, so it takes a little while to get here. Um, but I'm hoping that it'll be like fully in United States bookstores. Good. Um, yeah. And it's it's really incredible. And I've helped a couple of people through the intuitive eating journey where they got to the point in their lives where they are ready to let go of weight loss as their main driver. In yeah, life. totally. Like yes. we are here to do more than look a certain way and lose weight. Right. I I just wish that more women felt that way. That's awesome. That's, I think I'm 100% on that bandwagon with with what you're saying. Well, this has been so informative. Like, I've I've learned so so much. Yeah, (laughs) I've learned so much. We'll definitely have you back. I'm sure in a couple months, there'll be some new thing that we can break down. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you so much. If you guys want to meet Taverny, she is at Shift Chicago. Yeah, River North. River North. Yep. Tune in next time for Necessary Realness with Katie.